Okay, well, we are on the last one of our series called Entitled Essential Church. And uh, at the staff meeting this week, I asked the staff, I said, okay, what am I missing? Where are my blind spots here? I'm just going to rearrange this, excuse me. And, um, you know, have I, have I missed anything out? I mean, I, I say I because I kind of have the sort of oversight of it, but, you know, obviously Rick and Dan have done a great job. Uh, but, you know, what are we missing? And very quickly, we sort of 101 things that we could also talk about. And that's probably the temptation. Once we start thinking about church and what church aspires to be and could be and should be and, and then all the other good ideas that we, we have for church, you know, it, it gets sort of a little bit complicated. But I really, really, really at the beginning of this year felt the Lord was saying, you know, try and make it simple. Let's keep the main thing, the plain thing. And of course, the main thing is making Jesus known. Let's, let's keep focus because in a church of this size and it's growing, you know, there, there's so much talent. There's so many, so many things we could be about. So many emails every week. So many sort of information packs get sent through. Everybody's clamoring for attention. You know, everybody's clamoring for a platform. Everybody's clamoring for support. And, and oh Lord, you know, we just want to keep it simple. What is essential church? And so after the, over the last four weeks, we, we, we started off with looking at the teaching of Jesus, his summary uh, in, in response to a question. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said all the law and the prophets are encompassed in this saying. Everything's encompassed in that. The love of God, the wholehearted devotion, abandonment to the love and service of God, and loving your neighbors as yourself. And, you know, I felt prompted over the last, last time I was speaking to say, you know, sometimes loving ourselves is tough because we don't love ourselves too much. Well, we can help with that too. But, but that's something that, that has to be close to the heart of what church is about. Loving God and loving your neighbor. Then, of course, there was the call to community. And I think Dennis, you know, uh, you know, he did probably one of the best unpacking of that Acts 2.42 passage that I've ever heard. I am carrying the notes around with me and referring to them. They were excellent. And we're so blessed to have... You know, Dennis and Rick and others on our team here did an outstanding job of the call to community. What that, what that means. I, I, I loved one of his little throwaway expressions. You know, we should have a reverence for community life. Protecting one another's reputations. I thought, man, I wish I'd thought of that one. That would have made me look really good. But it was just wonderful. A wonderful turn of phrase, reverence for the unity of the community and protecting one another's reputations. You know, we're all often you know, too concerned about our own reputation. How do people view me? But, but, you know, protecting one another in their absence if they're not there. Do not allow people to tear down people in the community. Have no truck or party to it. Third week, call to mission. You know, Jesus sends us. To make disciples. We cannot get round that. We are evangelistic. We, you know, sometimes the church wants to play it down. It gets embarrassed about being seeker sensible or anything. It just wants to be holy and huddly. But actually we are, we are called to be uncomfortable. We are called to put ourselves out. For those who don't yet know the love of God. That, that we are beginning in the church of Jesus Christ to enjoy and experience. 
I was having a conversation yesterday. I was at a, a party with some friends and uh, David Payne's 50th birthday. Oh, I shouldn't have said that, should I? Sorry, David. <laughs> 40th, 30th, 21. Uh, and a friend of ours visiting from the States, an Englishman, actually may even be in the congregation this morning, but, but um, visiting us from the States said that, you know, he wasn't raised in a church family. And, and when he stumbled into church and actually got it, whatever it is, Jesus, the Spirit of God, he was amazed. He, he was almost amazed to the point of being outraged that the church was keeping this a secret. He didn't even know that there was this, that, that a, a loving God, our Father, was offering relationship. And we were keeping it to ourselves because we didn't want to be inconvenienced by all these you know, people who didn't know how to behave coming in and spoiling church and sitting in my seat and all the other weirdness that the church gets up to. You know, we are called to mission. And then fourthly, last week, a heart for the poor. We, we, you know, I, I love the fact that this church has always had that as part of its genetic code, a heart and a compassion for the poor. And I'll say even a little more about that in just a moment. So those are the things we've looked at. This week, though, final week in this series. And next week, Den launches a, a, a mini-series on how to prosper in, in difficult times. That's, gosh, I can't wait to see that one. But this week, we're going to be looking at equipping the saints, an equipping church, an equipping church. If church is to be anything, it is to be an equipping church. Uh, John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, long since dead, coined this phrase, everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to play. Uh, and I love that. And I know that we as a community could not exist if it wasn't for the fact that, that many, maybe not all of you yet, but who knows, maybe soon, many of you are involved in some sort of service in order to, 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 you know, to augment and support the vision, the mission, the purpose of church. And that's the way it should be. Every, everyone gets to play. Classic verse of scripture that, that, that illustrates this is Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. It was God, Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. This much we probably know. But verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. You know, we're not here, the, the staff team is not here to do the ministry. We're here to, to facilitate ministry. Yes, support, leadership, direction, maybe even correction sometimes. But, but, but we are here to facilitate the work of the saints, the people of God you know, in the work of the ministry. We are here to, you know, to, to help those, you guys, you know, find your place. Take up these, these, these towels, these serving towels, and serve that the body of Christ might be built up. Now, whenever I, I emphasize this passage, I always get a number of emails and letters and things from various people. And, and some of them, I, I, I wouldn't dream of reading them out. And some of them are, are amusing. Because, because our, one of the features of our culture, and particular, uh, particularly our religious culture in the UK in the 21st century, is, is that we get a lot of space cadets, which are actually a lot of fun. They, they will come and they'll, be, they'll, they'll, they'll appear really serious and, and, and you know, they've got this vision, this heart for mission and outreach and, and you ask them, you know, well, where, where is this focus? And, oh, yes, it is. It's, it's, I'm called to minister to the aliens that live on Box Hill. 
And he's a pardon? And, and you know, they're just a bit batty, and it's wonderful, it's eccentric, it's glorious. <laughs> but then there's the Lone Rangers, and those are a bit more worrying, but maybe you're a Lone Ranger. And you've got this God thing together, and you've read your Bible, and you know your Bible better than the preacher. But actually, you haven't found a church that actually, you know, comes in line with your way of thinking and your way of perception. And, and you actually, you know, it grieves me. Because you have not understood that actually the gifts that God gives us are for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. And all too often, all too often, you know, Christians end up not going anywhere and having their own little thing. And it's a very personal, very private thing. But what, what you've got to understand is that we were meant to be together. We were meant to do this together. We do not do well on our own. We were meant to serve one another. We were meant to learn to love those difficult, awkward, strange people that we find ourselves meeting from time to time. This, this is the heart of God, to be inclusive, not separatist and exclusive. So, so this gifting, this thing that the church, you know, the leadership in the church is to facilitate has a purpose. It has a focus. It's not just, oh, I feel called to go and, you know, you know make, make a, a millions and millions of pounds so that I can bless the kingdom of God and whatever it is. You know, and it, it, it's, it's just so, so, so individualistic. But we've got to recapture what the two-thirds world church knows only too well, that we cannot do this on our own, nor were we intended to. So today I want to just give you kind of four little points. We've got some notes out for you. And, uh, and these are characteristics, in my view, of an individual, of a church, who is taking seriously the, the, the call to be part of a servant community and seeking to, to express you know, God's love and, and mercy and compassion. We're going to move through these fairly quickly because time doesn't permit, but I hope that you will use the, the scriptures and what have you to, to kind of fire you up and, and, and sponsor and, and foster your own homework during the week. The first characteristic of a church, an essential church that is an equipping church, and the first characteristic of those who are responding to the call to be part of something rather than you know, do their own thing is a passion for the word of God. A passion for the word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says this, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for good work. Every single one of us on this journey should be wrestling with this book, and I use that word advisedly. There are times when I can't get enough of it. There are times when I struggle with it. There are times when it delights me. There are times when it just confuses me. And there are times of dryness where, quite frankly, it's like eating Jacob's cream crackers without butter on. <laughs> I can't even swallow it. But the important thing is that we wrestle with it, that we, we work with it, we read it because, because, because it reads us. It's a weird thing. I've been doing this for many years now. I probably have read the book 
from cover to cover umpty dumpty times. But it still has this capacity to unsettle me. It reads me. It's like God, the Holy Spirit, uses it to highlight something. And it makes me wriggle a bit. Sometimes it's, it's on some area where, where I'm lacking. Another time it's an area where my, 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 my belief is just, my, my, my picture of God is just not big enough. You know, I, I was uh, you know, privileged to speak at David's party yesterday and one of the little things that cropped up in that was at the end of, uh, in, in Titus chapter 3, the Lord speaks about the gift of his Holy Spirit and it says that God pours out his spirit generously. And I suddenly, having read that passage many, many, many times, suddenly the word generously came out of me. You know, I think I come to God expecting enough if I'm good, if I press on in, if I read my Bible, if I pray my prayers, if I try and live a good life. I expect God to give me enough. And surely he does. But actually... I am demeaning God. I am, my God is too small. Because actually this God pours out generously. Now, I don't know if you know any generous people. I know a few generous people. And they're a blessing and there's something freeing and there's something liberating. The world gets bigger when they're around. But can you imagine what a generous God is like? I'm not sure I can. I need to work on that. The, the word of God read me. It said, Chris, your God is too small. Chris, I pour out my spirit generously. How much have you received from him? Enough? Or have you been overwhelmed by the generosity of God? You see, the word of God has that power to read you as you read it. So one of the characteristics of an essential church, an essential Christian, is that they are letting the word of God read them. Moving on. Next little point, characteristic of a central church and a, a Christian who is getting serious with trying to align themselves with the will of God and, and become that servant uh, of, of Christ as part of the church it's the mercy of God leading very nicely on if you like from the you know the, the, the generosity of God the word of God Matthew 18 has this this very uncomfortable story it's just one of Jesus's parables I say just with caution a health warning it's the I'm not going to tell you the story I haven't got time you've got to read that this afternoon but but the punchline of this story of, of Jesus is that he challenges someone who has been forgiven much, who has received, if you like, the generosity of God. He challenges them because they, when it comes to their dealings with others, are mean-spirited. They'll have as much as going, oh God, oh God, more, more, more. But when it comes to forgiveness, grace, mercy, compassion to another they are mean-spirited is that where you're at you're okay about the generosity of God you you're actually tapping into that is it flowing out of you or is it becoming a stagnant pond with bits of duckweed floating around and the odd shopping trolley chucked in the shallow end you know is it is it a life-giving flow 
Or is it becoming stagnant water? You see, the mercy of God is something that is extended to us, and I need the mercy of God. But it's intended to be something that works through me. That's, that's what essential church and essential Christianity, and in essence, what a, a passionate Christian, a follower of Christ, is connected to and connected with. I love it when we start talking about the mercy of God, that, that so many new ministries are kind of flourishing up. It's like spring. You know, we came, uh, I was looking out of my garden yesterday, uh, and we've, we've, we've got the, the daffodil spears coming up, and we've got the crocuses, and, and I, it's putting, it's, I love it. You know, the birds are beginning to twitter and sort of eye one another up, you know. The ducks in the park, when I go my prayer walk, are all sort of, you know, the, the guys are all preening themselves, and the women all going, ooh, all playing coy. You know, it's all kicking in again. It's wonderful. And I love this spring-like thing that's going on in the church. We're seeing compassion ministries spring up all over the place. The mercy of God. Mercy, grace, compassion, and a passion for justice. These things springing up in the church. These are signs of life. These are signs of an essential church that's beginning to stagger to its feet. And say... I'm a follower of Jesus. And so help me, God, we're going to see the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Esme. The mercy of God. You know, the mercy of God extends to little things as well. As, that, as God begins to bless us, as we, as we begin to sense that, that the kindness of God, Scripture speaks of the kindness of God, it begins to affect us as well. It changes us. The, just as the Word of God changes us, so the mercy of God changes us. I've become a great fan recently, as my close friends know, of Aldi's. Who goes to Aldi's? So few of you, my gosh. If you went to Aldi's, you'd be able to tithe more. I've become a great fan of Aldi's. I'm always going to Aldi's. It's not far from us. And honestly, it's fantastic, guys. I bought an air compressor there two or three days ago. How many of you can buy a garage air compressor at your local supermarket? I thought so, yeah. Everything you need and a little bit more. I love the thing. Anyway, the thing about Aldi's is that they, they are very cheap. And the quality is great, folks. They're very cheap, but one of the ways that they keep the price down is that, that actually you have to know that you cannot pay by credit card and the lines are going to be long. Just fact of life of shopping by Aldi's. Well, anyway, I was in Aldi's a few days ago and got my stuff and I'm waiting in line and it's an unusually long line. I mean, I'm not kidding. There was maybe 10 people in the line. I think, oh my gosh. So I'm standing in the line and I kind of get in a zone when I'm in the line. Kind of like I sort of go off somewhere, you know. Anyway, I'm off somewhere waiting in line. And there's a lady in front of me and she puts her groceries on the, on the, the track there. And it, it gets all rung up and she goes to pay and she pulls out a credit card. Oh, I ask you. <laughs> oh, flipping heck. A credit card. Oh, Oh, this is going to be trouble. And everybody behind. There weren't any sort of rude noises, but you could hear, every, you could hear the feet. As everybody took up position, you know, hands on hips, oh, flipping heck. So she tries to pay by credit card, and, 
And I'm thinking, oh, you know, beam me up, just kill me now, Lord, you know. <laughs> and, and anyway, the, 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 the dear assistant, I've got to know, Marta, bless her heart, Marta says, I, I'm really sorry, but we, we don't accept deb, uh, credit cards. You have a debit card. She says, well, no, I don't. And she's a Scottish, Scots lady, Scot, Scottish lady. Right. She says, no, I don't. I, I, I have cash, but it, it's, it's Scots money. And I think, oh. And everybody, now there's a sigh. It's uh, all, you know, down the ten people in the row. It's like a kind of crocodile. You know, uh, 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 uh. And I'm beginning to think, uh, you know, and I'm, you know, this is stretching my patience here. And so now there's this kind of big discussion. Well, it's, you know, it is coin of the realm. You know, it's legal tender. And Marta said, well, I'm sorry we don't accept Scottish money here. I will go and check with my manager. And we think, oh, flippin' heck. Why don't we ring up head office in Sweden? That's a good idea. So she goes off, sure enough, comes back, I'm really sorry. And she looks genuinely sorry, you know. Uh, but we don't... Ex- we, we don't Take Scots money, so be warned. And I'm thinking, and, and now I'm getting everybody's getting agitated. And now the woman, she says, "Well, let's. I can't buy it then. You know, I'm just going to, you know, I have to leave it and what have you." And I looked at the, the grocers because she was literally in front of me, and it's just family stuff. It's loo rolls, it's toothpaste, it's cereals, it's bread, it's butter, it's, you know, a little bit of a little treat for the kids. It's you know, not a lot. It's one of these trolley things. And I'm thinking, oh, flipping it. You know, didn't she realise? Why didn't she look? And I'm thinking all these ungracious, typical Chris Lane thoughts. And then all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me and said, you could do something about that. And I said, oh, great. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. That's a good idea. (laughs) And suddenly, suddenly actually, the Lord took me by the hand and led me out into a wide open space. I could do something about that. It wouldn't kill me. So I, I step out of line, I, I go up to, the, to Marta, and I said, okay, Marta, listen, I'd like to, pray for this, I'd like to uh, pay for this lady's groceries. And the, the Scots lady goes, what? And Marta goes, what? And everybody goes, what? And the whole row goes, what, what, what did you say? What, 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 what? I said, you know, I'm getting embarrassed now. I said, yeah, you know, I just, uh, you know, here, it's not, not a big deal. I'll pay for the groceries. So now we got, oh, no, you couldn't, oh, oh no, you can't possibly, oh, no, no, oh, oh, please, just let me pay. <laughs> so anyway, I end up giving my debit card. I pay for this thing. You know how much it came to? 12 quid. Oh, oh flipping heck, you know, if I'd known, we probably all had a quick whip brown and sort of <laughs> got her out the way. It was worth it just to get home quickly, you know. She bursts into tears. She's like, I don't know what. <laughs> and me being a bloke thinking, oh, no, no, she's crying. Oh, good. Oh, that's it. She's crying now. Oh, the, oh flip. Oh, dear. She's crying. I've upset her. And then Martha begins to cry. Oh, Martha, please. Please don't cry. And people are in the line going, <laughs> Everybody's crying in all this. For 12 quid. Now the point of the story is, is I hope obvious. You know, I do life like you do life like we do life. 
Same sort of things annoy us and concern us. Same sort of things worry us. But the kingdom of God, you know, there's a new reality that's birthing. We can do things differently. We can be part of the solution. That's the, what the, the essential church is about rather than part of the problem. And all it took was to me to step forward and pay for 12 quid's worth of kids' groceries. And suddenly we were all in a wide open space. It wasn't just Chris who had a bit of a breakthrough in his, his bad attitude. We were all taken into that wide open space. The mercy of God. We are being brought out into a wide open space. God is showing us his kindness, his generosity, his mercy. And guess what, kids? He wants us to be the same. It's not rocket science. It's just church. Moving quickly on because I'm running out of time. Third point. Characteristic of the, the essential church, the, the Christian who is beginning to get to grips with what church is about, doing it together, bringing in God's kingdom. Yes, the kingdom of God. And in that, and this is one of the exciting things, this is one of the things that really excited Fliss and myself right at the beginning of our journey, there is that supernatural element. You know, uh, Rick was, was plugging essential and, and again, if you're, it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, if you're joining us, if you've just moved into the area and you're joining us, you really do need to do Essential 101 first off. But Essential 102, spiritual dynamics, part of that is learning how to recognize when God is on the move supernaturally. How to pray for the sick. You say, well, Chris, I know how to pray for the sick. You know, gentle Jesus, please bless Auntie Mildred. Well, yes, but actually, we get to play. We get to be like Jesus. We get to lay hands on the sick. We get to interact with the Holy Spirit. It's not by accident. You know, these guys that pray for you at the front here, you know, we've got over 100 trained people in our ministry team. They know what they're doing. Do they get it right every time? Of course not. Do they get it right most of the time? Yes, they do. And we have seen God do wonderful things, supernatural things, things that aren't easily explained. And do you know what? It's in the book. There we are, back to the Word of God again. It's what Jesus did. It's what the church has always been up to. But somewhere in the 21st century, in, in, in Western churches, we've kind of, you know, we kind of lost our way with that. Well, we've got to find our way back into that, folks. Because it's always been part of essential church. A church that expects our loving, merciful, kind, generous God to intervene from time to time. To move in power, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to set people free. And of course, for all of us, whatever our background, to transform us into his likeness. The kingdom of God, a passion for the kingdom a passion for God's, God's love and mercy and justice to be made known and experienced. And then finally, the essential church, the hallmark, the final stamp, as it were. As you know, I was a jeweler once, and when we'd made everything, we'd have to send it off to the assayer's office in London, and they would put the, the hallmark on it, saying it is what it pertains to be. This is the genuine article. My ring, your ring, 
Your silver, your jewelry has a hallmark on it, I hope. The hallmark of the essential church is the presence of God. That sense that God is in the house, that God is among us. People at the beginning of their journey, when they, we, when they come among you, come into this place, speak of the unusual warmth of the welcome. The, they have difficulty in describing it. It's a sense of, it's more than a smile, it's a, a sense of God's, a sense of well-being. The Jews used to call it shalom, still do. Wellness, this being a safe place, this being a place where we will, we can dare to, to love and be loved, this being a place where we will learn how to minister, a, this being a place where our stuff will get sorted out, where we may even finally, eventually, share with another living being the abuse we suffered as a child, the struggles in our marriage, our money difficulties, knowing that we will not be judged, but that we will be comforted, supported, and prayed for. Father's house is a safe place. That's why I show up. I love being in the presence of God. When the presence of God leaves, so help me, I'll be the second one out the door. And I want to go wherever he goes. The presence of God, the hallmark of an essential church. So there you have it. And they have the, the worship team come back up. and Four little things, four little characteristics. Little things but big things. The word of God, the mercy of God, the kingdom of God. And the presence of God. These are things I look for when I go and visit churches. These are things that I'm looking for in myself and those around me. These are things that are characteristics of essential church. And if you're looking for a church, if you do not see these things here, find a church where you do see it. We may not be good, but I would hazard a guess that the teaching is good. The teaching is good. Now let's all stand and we'll pray together.